Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to the latest episode of the Roman's Empire podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. And today we're going to be talking shit about Newcastle, uh, the Premier League's new quote-unquote billionaire club uh, currently fighting relegation. So uh, joining me, as always, are my two trusty co-hosts. I'm going to go ahead and start with Andres, a.k.a. in the Halloween spirit, Ted Lasso today. (laughs) So, Ted, welcome to the show. How y'all doing? We're doing fantastic here in uh, London, the UK. Doing great. Chelsea wins. But Richmond manager. So, um, do you want to do you want to rate that impression? I'll give it a nine out of ten. Honestly, that was good. Oh, it's you, it's the you. charisma that 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 really pulls it that pulls the impression. You know, it's not necessarily what he says, but it's how he says it. That that's what Ted Lasso is about, the charisma. Yeah, but Andreas, you were you were Ted Lasso for for Halloween. Zach, did you dress up for Halloween? Uh, no, I did not. Um, I actually helped my cousin move out of her place today. So. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, I, I, I was a mover <laughs> for Halloween. I dressed up as a as a ghost. I wore a Hakeem Ziyech jersey, and uh, <laughs> I was a ghost. Pretty scary, huh? Oh man! Oh, but Love but it. I have to say, stuff Zach, it was it was <laughs> stuff of nightmares. Yeah, um, such a good like it was the perfect perfect weekend for Chelsea. Went from us, Liverpool, Man City, all dropping points, and uh, we got a question from Nick Lennartson. He says that means Psalm not Sam will be rapping again, right? Top of the table, 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 top of the table. Hold up, let's get the shit, let's get the shit, let's get the shit. Top of the table, top of the table. Yeah, yeah. No, I was about to, I was about to break out in a freestyle, but not happening. I was waiting for it. That's not happening. That's not happening. I felt it. I felt the flow, and it was like. It was like creeping up, and I was like, "No, I'm not gonna embarrass myself more than I normally do if on an episode." Lead, Psalm has to drop 16 bars. <laughs> I'll write. A, I'll write a whole. I'll, I'll write a whole verse. Bars. I'll write yeah. a whole verse to this song. <laughs> I okay, yeah, I'm I'm committing to it right now. If we win the table, I'm writing a full 16 bars to that song, and it's gonna be all about Reese James. <laughs> uh, okay, let's talk about that win though. Um, 3 0 win uh, against Newcastle. Met, uh, going through the starting lineup Mendy in goal, Rudy, Thiago Silva, and Christensen, the back three. Uh, Chilwell, Reese James on. Wait, did Chilwell? Yeah, Chilwell started, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, okay. Um, fullbacks uh, or wingbacks, Jorgolo as the midfield um, pairing, and then Hakim Ziesh, Cho and Havertz up front um we would have seen Mason Mount up there I'm guessing in place of Hakeem Ziyech but uh news came out that he woke up with non-COVID related illness so hopefully he recovers well from that hopefully he's feeling fine but I mean obviously the the main talking point of the match Reese motherfucking James okay two goals two from the same exact spot like does he does he know that he's a defender? First shot with his left, second shot with his right. 
he became the highest league scorer for the club after that second goal. Uh, so he's our leading scorer in the Premier League with four. Um, as a defender, that's the most Chelsea stat that you'll hear. Uh, 95% pass completion, three key passes, five out of six duels won. Um, after the match, uh, Tommy Tuchel said, we don't need to exercise shooting with Reese. He shoots like a horse. Hey, <laughs> what? Is that, I've never heard that phrase before. I mean, I guess horses have a strong kick, so that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I think that's what he meant. Yeah, Mostly but that German thing. Yeah, getting kicked <laughs> by horses. The the the, uh, the second shot was he shot that with the outside of his foot too. That I think was it came off his shin. I, I don't think so. I think it was outside of the foot, man. The way that he hit that was so clean. Like, I don't think it was off the shin. But, insane. I mean, yeah. Comment on his performance. Andreas, you want to start off? Yeah. Last Just last week, we were talking about the top English youth product, and we were co- trying to debate whether it was Foden or Mason Mount. Oh, didn't I told see this you guys, one coming. Oh, <laughs> Listen, Zach, you like to chew your own horn. You like to go on your little yeah, rant. We all this like to do it. Let's be fair. Go ahead. Take James it away. is the real deal. Trent Alexander-Arnold, you better put on your center mid pants because this man is the fullback for Chelsea. He's a fullback for England. And for everyone that wanted Hakimi, here's proof as to why we never needed him. Reese James is feasting right now and i know he had a early like an early season goal on arsenal but those recent switches to like the inverted fullbacks where our fullbacks don't have to just stay overlapping i mean we've seen it with Chilwell the past month now reese in this game gets two for himself it's just so much fun i i honestly don't care if our strikers don't score because everyone else is especially our wingbacks and reese is just being an absolute boss in the field. So, yeah, I mean, 10 out of 10 performance from Reese James. What a, what a guy. Yeah, uh, I got to agree, man. I think I think he's England's best right back. Um, he's the best right back in the Premier League, I think. Um, when you compare him to other players like Trent Alexander-Arnold, he has the attacking package, but not the defensive package. Kyle Walker doesn't necessarily have the end product all the time. Um, so I think by default, Reese James is just that guy. Look, I, when he's in the team, we, we tend to look a lot more creative and we also tend to look a lot more dangerous. The guy does pose that triple threat, um, at, you know, from the attacking standpoint, he can dribble with the ball, he can play make, and he can also score goals as we've seen. So I think he has what, like two assists on the season as well. So it's like six direct goal contributions or maybe more than that, I think, um, but yeah, I mean, his impact is, uh, I mean, you, you really just can't say enough about it. Um, kind of confusing why we were even linked with Hakimi this past summer, um, considering, you know, our, our current wing back situation. But, you know, long may it continue. I think, uh, you know, I, I, I'm i going to go out on a limb here, guys. I think he at least hits eight this season if he's already at four. Goals? We oh, could yeah. possibly be flirting with double figures if he could kind of stay healthy and stay active. Are, are we counting uh, match-winning penalties? <laughs> That's no. another thing, too, yeah. 
We're not counting that though for this no, for no, this no. reason. <laughs> but, 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 but but his penalty set piece ability too though. I mean that's something that we don't really speak a lot about from the penalty spot. He's looked ten times more comfortable than Mason Mount ever has. So yeah, the clutch the clutch factor right there. He's as cool as a cucumber, isn't that what they say? Yeah, they do say that. Um, I wish it was a cooler saying. <laughs> uh, he has three assists, just to uh, answer that question. Yeah, um, so seven goals is contributed directly to. Uh -huh. So we got a question from Ron, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Cool, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Deluxe, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Supreme. A very fair question. Should James have taken the pen to get the hat trick? I mean... Based off what you just said, Andreas, the fact that you know he's he's had two in our, in our last two EFL Cup draws, uh, he's had the game winning or game sealing penalty, um, so we know that he's a great penalty taker. So it's not like you know having him take it would put us at a disadvantage. Plus, at the point of that match, it was late. We we're already up two nil, like. I think I think we should have, but it's always nice to get give Jorginho a little bit more confidence. He, he always has he always has a great smile on his face after he makes one of those pens. Zach, what do you think? Not at two nil. I don't think at two nil you give it you you give a penalty away to someone else other than your normal penalty taker. I, Andres, I think you could speak on this too. Growing up playing soccer, two your coaches always teach you that two nil is the most dangerous lead. In the eighty first um, so minute, though. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I mean, we, we've seen teams come back from 2-0 down in five minutes. I mean, it's it's plenty of time for them to get back It happened back two weeks ago, right? Didn't Wolves do that? Or that happened to Wolves yeah, yeah. two weeks ago? I think Wolves did the second half. They came back from 2-0 down. Um, but I don't know. I don't know, like, the timestamps or anything. But, yeah, Andre. I think I mean, it was with 10 minutes left. A little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's one of those things where, like, if you're designated penalty takers on the pitch – you let him have it. I I think my argument would have been like, oh, if you're going to gift it to someone, you don't gift it to the fullback to chase a hat trick. Like, that's not going to mean anything. I would have given it to the striker that hasn't scored. Like, that's that's the time you gift a penalty. You have a guy that's misfiring left and right. Like, that's who you want to take it. Let him get one in the bag. And then, you know, you hope that that's a catalyst for goals to come. So... Yeah, I mean, as a fan, obviously a Reese James hat trick would be something unbelievable. Uh, but I think Jorginho was the right decision, sadly. Like, if, if I was too cool, I wouldn't have changed that either. As a fan, though, yeah, I want Reese James to get a hat trick. I mean, a fullback hat trick or wingback hat trick doesn't come very often. So, I mean, it would have been cool to have back-to-back -back hat tricks in the Premier League. So, I, I get I get the sentiment. I mean, also as a manager, like, you know, like, you know, you know, like after football games, I mean, they do this in, in soccer too, but after like American football games, like, you know, the, the, the coach like gives out like, you know, the game ball to like certain players, to like boost up their confidence and stuff like that. Like, I feel like this would have been the same thing. Like, you know, it's like you had a brilliant match. I'm going to reward you with taking this penalty, you know, that kind of thing. I would have liked that, and you know, Reese James. I don't know how many other opportunities he's gonna have in his career to have a hat trick, you know. So, I mean, hopefully there will be more opportunities in the future that might be asking for a little too much. But 
Um, that's what that, I just feel like I would have done that. But hey, the end result was still a goal, so I'm not I'm not complaining. Um, hey, let's talk about Cho a little bit. Um, last week we we went over some of Tuchel's quotes um, and how he cha- he called on Cho to consistently perform, and so far. Uh, it's looked like he's risen to the challenge in his last three on the bounce. Um, even after the match, the commentators said that he performed. I think they said he was brilliant. I don't know if I would completely agree with that. I mean, he had a good match, but he it was four out of eight dribbles completed, 91% pass completion, including three key passes. Zach, what did you make of Cho's performance? I mean, I, I agree. I was a little confused when they said that he was brilliant it was a good performance not a great one um I, th- I thought like the rest of the team i mean it doesn't go for only cho but we started out really slowly in the first half we didn't we actually looked pretty passive i think we had 75 percent possession and zero shots on target so that kind of tells you everything you need to know about our intent whatever tuchel said to them in the dressing room at halftime clearly made a difference because in the second half like the rest of the players cho sort of came alive and my thing is, you know, it is a good performance. It is something that he could sort of continue his momentum on. Um, you know, he did have 77 touches on the match, um, which means that, you know, he is getting involved. He's seeing the ball a lot. He's, he's, you know, he's not necessarily the center of play, but he's being heavily involved in buildup. Um, the biggest concern for me is the zero shots on target. Um, you know, now he's creating chances. He's He's running at defenders. Um, he's being neat and tidy with the ball, as you saw, 91% pass completion. But we're just seeing that lack of selfishness, I guess we can say. Um, you know, I I, I want to see him take initiative. I want to see him force the issue, um, attack players, and then maybe have a pop at goal. Even if your angle is not that great, it's always it's always good to keep the defender and the keepers thinking. Um, so you know, zero shots attempted is a little. I wouldn't say it's a concern, but I think it's something that he could sort of refine his game around. Um, but if I do want to end this off on a positive note, at least because I'm not I'm not shitting on Cho in any sense. Um, it is another good performance, and it is something that he can build on. You know, he keeps getting minutes, and he's playing well. So I I think he's still earning himself some playing time. Um, now it's a matter of the next couple matches, maybe you know, getting his goal or two to really get up and running. I the one against Norwich was great and all, but in the seven nil thrashing, it, it, it's easily you know sort of forgotten so i want to see him be a bit more aggressive um for me i think he's shown more than our other options at left wing and like we said the past couple of weeks where he's gotten to start yeah his shooting boots aren't quite there yet i agree with that um but i, I don't have much to add than what zach said but I think it's a good time to, to mention that we uh, have recently partnered up with uh, a Twitter account at CFC Central 3. Um, if you guys aren't familiar, this guy goes and deep dives into what Chelsea's doing tactically. He gets really nerdy into like how the players are moving, individual roles within a tactic. And, and he goes these long threads with pictures, arrows. And we decided to ask him to give us his one tactical view per match. So the rough name of this uh, little featurette will be the X's and O's with CFC Central. So if you're a listener, 
if you have a better idea of what to call it, please DM us or comment on the next podcast post just so that we can uh, have a better working title. But hey, I uh, like it if that's if that's any consolation. I like it. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. So uh, I'll come up with a theme song for it later because you know it is a podcast within a podcast. I feel like we have to start. You know. We don't even have a theme song for our own podcast. Let's... Well, you do. Well, every week you rock, so I feel like I have to. Okay, I have cool. To. All right, But cool. anyways, this week you wanted to focus on Cho, and he says, from the left flank, he's always been a threat on the ball, but this time he displayed a lot of intelligence and initiative in his off-the-ball movements, too. When Chilwell stretched the left side, he attacked the half space as well, those being the space between the center back and the fullback. Uh, he also completed four dribbles, which is the most he's ever completed under Tuchel in the league, and his most since completing five against Switzerland in the U21 match on March 25th. Oh, so, my God. Yeah. This guy went is. went back in time. What the heck? Yeah. So this guy's that's got some inside. Right. So if uh, you guys like that little snippet, go ahead and give him a look on Twitter. His account is at CFC Central 3 he has a, a really good in-depth thread that he posted about a week ago about how Chelsea unlocked our goal-scoring threat after a couple of lax matches. So he posted this right after Norwich, uh, focusing on the role of the center mids, the role of the wingbacks, and what uh, Kai Havertz and the forwards are going to be asked to do um, to open up space for the wingbacks when moving forward. So highly recommend that, guys. Yeah, that was that was really cool. Um, Hell of a great. plug. Yeah, and that was good. That was good insight, though. Also, like uh, mm-hmm. probably better than anything that we've ever said on this show, to be honest. But <laughs> all right, let's talk about Tony. Tony Rudiger. Um, so he had 134 touches this match, which is more than any other player. Um, you know, we've talked about him week in week out. We're we're all convinced that he's the best center back in the Premier League. No one can tell us otherwise. Not even Ruben Diaz. Fuck you, Virgil. <laughs> and Virgil Van Dyke. <laughs> um, but and of course, every discussion with him obviously leads to contract talks. As of January, he'll be able to negotiate a pre-contract agreement with other European clubs. Um, you know, all the other, all of the big names in European football and all the big leagues. Uh, all their names are, are coming out um, or popping up in these rumors. Uh, Rudy recently spoke on the situation. He said, the most important thing is that I feel happy here. I think if people look at it, they can see I'm happy. About the contract situation, I talk with the club. This is for nobody's ears. It was how I said it was how I said it would be after the Euros. There would be talks. There was a talk between Marina and my agent. We have the situation where we are at now. And I have nothing to do with all the speculation. This is not in my mind. I'm focused on what I'm doing because this is why I wake up every morning. Oh, I love him so much, man. My man. Legitimately, like, probably one of my favorite Chelsea players of all time now. Just, like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it, it's crazy how much that's changed in two mm-hmm. years when I, like, was sick of him. Like, you know, I was, like, I couldn't, I couldn't stand seeing him on the pitch to now – not not just by his play, but by his attitude. How much the team, the the rest of the players love him. How important he is for that locker room. Um, at this point, how worried are we now 
about his, his situation because I'm I'm getting worried. I am getting worried, and I think I am leaning more on the side that he's going to leave us next year. Andreas, what do you think? I'm right there with you. I think uh, I think it's extremely uh, naive of Chelsea to think that he's not worth more money than he's being paid right now. Uh, in the lead up to winning the Champions League, he was the mainstay in that back three, and he has continued to be that that guy. <laughs> There's no other way to say that guy in the in the back three for this season in the Premier League. Uh, the guy deserves the pay raise. It's his last contract. So you pay a little bit more than you're willing for four or five more years of Rudiger. And after that, you don't need to offer him anything else. But he is reaching his prime years as a center back. And to, to keep him at the wages he's at right now, where I believe he's not even close to being our top earner. Like this guy's not like a 24-year-old that needs multiple contracts. This contract would keep him at Chelsea for the rest of his top years. And I think this is more a bit of like the Alaba to Real Madrid situation where the club may think that that number is too high, but then you're just going to be rolling the dice in the transfer market or whoever the next name on the list is. And I think that you can be a little bit, a um, little looser with your wallet when it comes to a situation like this, he is a known commodity. He is a known commodity when he brings into the locker room. And again, it would be one last paycheck before, you know, he kind of ages and is phased out. Uh, I I'm, I'm worried. I'm worried that Chelsea's being too, uh, too much of a, what's the word I'm looking for here, Zach. I don't know if you can help me where you're stubborn. stubborn. Yeah. It seems like we're playing hardball with him. It's concerning, man, because you, you, you can't really put a price tag on what he brings to the table mentally. Um, you know, the boost that he gives the team. Um, and not only that, just the energy in the in the stadium when he makes a tackle or when he makes a really great pass or even when he laces the ball, you know, in the, in, in, in the Matthew Harding upper. It, it, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, the, the guy's the cult hero here. And like Sam, I, he's probably one of my favorite Chelsea players ever too. Um, you know, he's won a Champions League with us already, and just his attitude and his work ethic on the pitch are are, are unmatched. You, you don't find anyone else um, with his with his intensity. So I would be really disappointed here um, if he walked, obviously, like everyone else. But I think the main thing is I wouldn't really blame him. Like you guys said, it's his last big contract, and unfortunately, um, he feels a bit undervalued at the moment. And uh, in all fairness to him, he does deserve to be, if not one of the highest paid players at the club. So I would be really disappointed. Not only that, I, I think the club have a track record of taking care of, you know, some of the players that have put in good years at the club, um, you know, granting them contracts beyond their 30s or even giving them pay raises. I think Rudiger should should just be another name on that list. I mean, there's no reason why he shouldn't. So mm-hmm. I, I think the bigger concern is not necessarily him leaving, but us finding the sort of player to fit his role character-wise in the long run, whether that be at center back or wherever else on the pitch. We need to find someone else that can have that similar intensity, um, which is damn near impossible. I mean, I, I could barely count on one hand um, the amount of guys around Europe that bring to the table what Rudiger does from that standpoint. So 
it would be it would definitely be a concern and just i i went through um the wages on our on our team he's he's making 100k a week um which is like 15th on the team right now yeah. like we have he needs you know to be top 5 top 5 right now Lukaku 325k Conte 300k Timo Werner 272k Saul 200k but that's we didn't negotiate that Chilwell 190k Kepa 155 Dave 150 Kai Havertz 150 Kovacic 150 Pulisic 150 Cho yeah. is even making more 120k so it's pretty bad I, yeah so what you're thinking 200k your list, your list should have said Lukaku 1 Conte 2 Rudiger 3 so Based what you're saying minimum, like 280 300 yeah. I'd say minimum 2 wait Andres you said 300 or 200 I, I said 300 I say he needs to be right there with Conte and Lukaku I think mm. that's I think that's what he's that he's asking for. Yeah, yeah, I I think you have to give him the money. I mean, like fucking reason why not? Who who are we gonna get that's gonna be a surefire starting center back in the Premier League? That's gonna be cheaper than that. Like I I want, we got we got a like, question. If you're a listener, like if you're a listener, please. Well, we did get a question from Nick Lennartson, another one. He said, "Will we be able to find replacements for Christensen, Rudiger, and Silva?" If contracts renewal contract renewals fail, Malong is okay, but the rest, I won't even I won't give Malong Sar that that yet because I get nervous as hell when he plays. <laughs> I think I, even his he agent. Gives, sorry to cut you off, Son, but hmm. I know his agent said this week that um Who's? that he's like happy with the playing time, but he does want to find a loan in January if something Who? comes Malong to fruition. Sar? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. He, even his agent said that he needs to go on loan for for a year or two before he for could be sure. like fully Chelsea ready. Which oh, yeah. I mean, it's 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 brutally honest. And he's playing out of necessity, I think now. Um, yeah, but he's not at that point yet. Definitely not. I mean, good squad I player at least, though. I mean, sure, sure, of yeah. course. I mean, actually, I don't know. Like, I mean, at this point, he's just a very average center back. I nothing has like stood out or shown that he is like potential it depends depends which center back you're talking to to some defenders that's a compliment if you're hardly mentioning their name no that's not (laughs) what i'm saying i'm saying i didn't haven't seen anything that made me excited i i i talk about him plenty (laughs) yeah but uh i I mentioned him while he's in there the names i keep seeing are tunde still which is fine okay uh, still not gonna be immediately what Rudiger is, and then the other name is Delict. Uh-huh. Then and people are getting excited about Delict. They're like, oh my god, Delict, oh my god. And they'll get the Do same. I they'll they'll to... demand the same salaries as what mm-hmm. exactly. That's, Rudiger no, wants. that's what I was gonna get to. Sorry. Who is who is Matias Delict's agent? Mino Raiola. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Like we don't have Erling Holland because of that. I'm not saying like we ended up getting a bad deal, but like the point is that guy's gonna want the world for a delict contract like we have a guy who wants to stay pay him the money he's worth i mean delict is definitely going to get linked with real at some point just purely out of the fact that real would probably be the only team that could afford him real psg yeah but, real, but if real gets rudiger why would they go for delict they get yeah, him for free that's true 
Yeah. I mean, if I'm Real, I'm going all in on Rudiger. I mean, I'm licking my lips at this. Rudiger. Uh, it Alaba. worked well with Alaba. Yeah. They're like, oh, we, we killed it the first time. Why not do it again? Yeah. That's where I think he goes, Real Madrid. I just see it too many times to, I won't be to mad not at think them. that that's not put out by the clubs. No, I, I, I won't hold anything against him if he walks based on what we know now. I mean, the little information we have. But Yeah, if we don't pay him, then there's there's no... It, it's there's on no, us. Yeah, there's it's no... Not on him. Exactly. I mean, we can say, oh, if you love the club, you'll accept a pay cut to be with the club that you love. But no, this is his life. This is... His, you know, that's his, it's his job. It's his livelihood. I think Rudiger's the one that. player on our squad who gets a pass in that respect. Like, if if we know anybody likes loves the club, it's fucking Tony Rudiger. That that's probably the first player that comes to your mind. So you cool. he would be the first player to kiss the badge. Mm-hmm. Bro, he gets paid less than Cho, and Cho is flirting with every club that wants to sign him every summer. Like, <laughs> no, mm-hmm. like yeah. pay the man. A hundred k a week is is a joke. Like, I'm pretty sure Chalaba's latest contract extension puts him like around that number and Chalaba started what six matches for Chelsea Timo's earning a lot what if every miss Timo gets we give five grand more to <laughs> you think Timo would accept that he'd be He'll broke like he'd be broke by the, end of it. by the end of the season guaranteed <laughs> yeah Timo Werner would go bankrupt yeah all right uh, Hakeem Ziyech I made my joke earlier about the ghost um and Goddamn, it's it's bad every time. This was his this was his second start only this uh, this season in in league play, and it's really is it really a surprise why he's not getting more consistent play? I mean, it's really like just so frustrating to see him. The only contribution that he has to the match is taking a shot way outside the box that just gets blocked by a defender and like has no progression whatsoever zero dribbles zero dribbles completed one shot on target and i don't know if if this counts shots getting blocked by defenders as being on target one out of eight ground duels won two key passes uh another question from nick lenartson i'm waiting for the replay of the game but what shall we do with ziesh will he return to ajax form Zach, not Zach, at Chelsea. It's not gonna happen. No, not at <laughs> Chelsea. Look, I, I I've said this, and I'm gonna kind of stand by it. I, he needs to be playing every single week. Otherwise, this is what we're gonna get. I mean, you, you just look at the preseason. He he got a consistent run of games, banged in a couple goals, and then all of a sudden he took off. The thing is, could he do that again? Yes, but. He's getting his run of games now, and he's not doing it. And with, you know, Lukaku and Timo, I mean, they're not coming back to after the internationals, but Mason Mount's back in the picture now. He's obviously, you know, a, a shoe-in for, you know, the, the right wing. Pulisic is coming back in, and, and Cho has been playing well also. So I really don't see him getting any time unless he puts it together on the pitch. For me, it's frustrating because... He's such a predictable player. I think the last time I, a player at Chelsea was this predictable was Juan Cuadrado um, because he was allergic to passing the ball backwards to keep possession. Um, and, and he just knew every time Cuadrado got the ball, he was going to try and dribble his defender, and he would lose it every single time. 
with Ziyech. He gets the ball, and it's just a matter of time as to when he's going to cut it into his left and play a diagonal chip into a general area. Um, it's frustrating, man. I- I'm right there with you, Sam. I think, I think it tells me a few things. One, um, you know, whatever is going on on a training pitch clearly isn't working for him. Tuchel isn't seeing anything that's warranting him getting more playing time. The only reason why he got these minutes were because of Mason Mount's illness. The other thing is the coachability. Um, Tuchel's shown an ability to coach every single player that he's used so far. I mean, he's even gotten f- fucking performance out of, you know, Ross Barkley. He's brought Ruben Loftus-Cheek back. He's brought Cho back. You know, he's he's risen Marcus Alonso from the ashes. I mean, Malang Sar is looking half decent. I mean, we're talking about him as a squad player now. We weren't even talking about him beginning of the season. Why can't he do it with Ziyech? To me... That tells me that it's not necessarily on the coach or the team or the system. It's more on the player. He needs to figure it out. I mean, this is the top level of European football. You know, you can't be fucking around match after match, um, you know, with, with two left feet. It, it's it's frustrating. Uh, I'll keep it short, Nick. He'll return to Ajax form when he gets signed by a Serie A team. Did you just call me Nick? No, you're uh, answering Nick Nick's question. Lenartsen asked the question. Uh, okay, okay. You're talking to Nick. I thought you were talking to me. I was like, wait. <laughs> you can go Shout by out Nick, to Nick if you want. Our favorite, our favorite Swede from Switzerland. Uh huh. The good ones. One of the good ones. Um, <laughs> not a Mal- He's not on Malmo, so we have respect for him. <laughs> um, Kai Havertz. Um, he looked to rebound a little bit. Um. And he did, he did, he had a better performance, not, you know, didn't contribute much other than, you know, the winning the penalty, which we could probably say if he didn't get taken down was going to be a goal. Um, two out of two dribbles completed, one shot on target, one key pass. He did start off the first half slowly, and there wasn't much involvement with him, uh, but he did pick up his energy towards the end. Looked a little better in the second half. Was making some really good runs. Getting in the right spaces. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we love him. He scored the Champions League winner. He loves dogs. Loves donkeys. But he hasn't been that <laughs> He loves his donkey. But he hasn't been that great. And Andreas will defend him until the day he dies. Andreas, defend him today. Uh, he would have scored if he didn't get the penalty. Oh, there it is. Which I did have to fix in this uh, script because Zach was going to give that credit to Rudiger for some yeah. reason. I don't know. Uh, that was just mixing guys. up matches. I've, I've done that before. Yeah, well, I just think it's so convenient. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Um, I mean, he was better today. Again, I, I, I was not expecting Kai to do much in this game because I knew Newcastle was going to defend with nine bodies. Um if we're going to critique the first half, then we can critique the first half of every single player on the pitch. I mean, I, I don't think, you know, anything was coming out of those first 45 minutes. Uh, I did think that he was trying to shoot a little bit more. I know he got a, a few shots deflected uh, and blocked by the defenders. Again, when they're defending with five, creating that space to shoot is going to be a little bit tougher. But, yeah, I mean, we're, we're going to play Malmo midweek. He's most likely going to start. I think that he's going to need a goal there. And then come Burnley, I need goal contributions at this point. 
uh, again, I, in the Norwich game, you don't have to believe me. I thought he was creating space for other people. In this game, I thought that it was more, you know, we're already seeing that. Now I need to see more individual stuff. Like, great, you're a team player. But now I need to see the hunger of a of a striker or a number 10 or whatever you want to call Kai in this situation. So, yeah, the, the, the individual stats need to start coming. And I think that's exactly what Tuchel has actually said the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I, I don't want to really regurgitate what Andres said because I agree with all of it, but I do want to harp on the physical stats. I think that's something that we need to see production sooner rather than later. Um, we we get a lot of goals from defenders, guys. It's no secret, but I'm not going to hang my hat on that and say that that's going to continue throughout you know the rest of this time where Lukaku and, and Timo are out. I, I think we're still going to have moments where we struggle to create and unfortunately with our injury situation Kai has to be one of those guys to bail us out so I think it's about time that he does that um you know it, it is getting better just like Cho performance after performance he's slowly getting into a rhythm here um so you know going into the Malmo match I think that's a great opportunity maybe he gets a goal from open play and not necessarily off of a corner kick which he's been pretty good at but um I think once that first goal comes, he'll be he'll be the type of player to sort of get in the flow of things, and hopefully his uh, his season will take off from there. Because as of right now, it's been uh, it's been pretty dull, disappointing. All right, let's uh, let's move on to some news and updates. Um, I already talked. I mentioned Mason Mount, pre-match illness. Um, he will be fine. Probably we'll see him out there against Malmo, and if and if we don't, it's just because of squad rotation. Um, so I don't think this will hold him out for too long. Pulisic, uh, he returned to training on Thursday. There's no word yet on his availability for the Champions League matchup this week, but Tuchel only hinted at the Burnley match next weekend. Um, is that a league match, or that's the EFL Cup? Uh, league. Are we playing again in the league so soon? Okay. Oh, Burnley. I'm thinking Brentford. Burnley. Yeah, I'm yeah. mixing I'm mixing up Burnley and Brentford. Um, so uh, Kovacic injured his hamstring in training. Apparently, it was like right at the end of training he pulled his hammy. Um, confirmed by Tuchel to be out throughout uh, through the international break at least. Um, same with Lukaku and team and Timo. Both of them are going to be out through the international break. So. Adding Kovacic to this list of injured players, bringing Pulisic back, Andreas, how big of a loss is this going to be with, with Kovacic out? I mean, it's huge. Uh, I think as of right now, if it's not um, Reese James, I think that Kovacic has been our player of the season. Uh, it turns out that he's leading the team in like every single important stat most chances created, most final and third recoveries, most final third passes, most through balls, most duels won, most take-ons, most touches, most tackles, most assists, and most passes. I mean, what else can you ask from a center midfielder? Uh, I think we're a little bit blessed in the fact that we do have an international break. I think that might give us time to kind of recoup. I also think that, you know, Conte's coming back to full fitness RLC has been stepping up, but none of those players are doing what Kovacic has been doing this season. I, I I don't know 
what he did this summer. I don't know if the jersey change was really all he had to do to to kind of produce more in the final third, but that that kind of like Cesc Fabregas style long through ball is something that we've seen a lot more out of his kind of tool belt. And I don't know if Jorginho kind of has that like in his like, uh, not DNA, but more like something that can happen in naturally. Like I feel like he's going to really have to force himself to make those passes. And I think that's asking too much of RLC right now. So I think the team will look slightly different. I think we get lucky with the schedule we have, but he is the like he alongside like Lukaku and and perhaps even Werner, you're trying to get these guys healthy ASAP. I, I think he makes the top of that list. It seems like we can't get a win in terms of the injuries um, so far this season. I mean, I hope this is just a matter of we need to get them out of the way now with all the fixture pile up and the traveling with the internationals. Um, this is the last international break, right? For a while. For I a think while. of the season. Fuck. I, I hate these. But um, no, I, I just like Andres said, I think our midfield is going to look a little different. I think the key here is um, the health of Loftus-Cheek while Kovacic is out. Um, as long as Loftus-Cheek is healthy and available, I wouldn't be too concerned. Um, you know, obviously not discounting what Kovacic has done this season, but Loftus-Cheek has also been really good. And I think similarly to my argument with the Lukaku and Timo injuries, they kind of came at a good time um, where our schedule is sort of light at the moment in terms of the difficulty of opponents. So hopefully he's not out too long. Um, I think we have a solution in RLC if he can stay healthy. Obviously, Saul has been playing well too, um, a little bit better. I don't think he's ready to necessarily start games, but he's he's definitely looks like he's ready to get some more minutes. So that could possibly be a player that we could rotate into that midfield um, via substitutions or whatnot. So, um, yeah, as long as those guys stay healthy, I wouldn't be too concerned. We're still pretty deep in that respect. But, you know, Kovacic can't come back soon enough. I mean, the guy's been mm-hmm. amazing. Andres, I agree with you. I think behind Reese James, he's probably our player of the season so far. And all jokes aside, I'm, I'm also comfortable seeing Ross Barkley start a couple matches because I know – you know, if you look past all of the the deficiencies in his in his game, his service this season has been really really good. His he's, passing he's cre- has been amazing. He's creative as hell. It, but it's, here's it's, the thing, Sam. I'm, I'm gonna cut you off because because Ross Barkley's only been playing in that front three. I don't know if he'll necessarily start at the pivot. I mean, he's came in as a midfielder. In a three-five-two, yeah. He's he's he's, yeah, he's I mean, came in as a but, midfielder. I mean, he hasn't started a match this year. I don't think. The 3-5-2. The dreaded 3-5-2. That's fine. As long as we have RLC there, we'll be fine. Uh, a 3-5-2 with RLC is good. Uh, yeah. But it, 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 we do have the depth to keep up with it. Um, it's it's unfortunate. And, I mean, we, we've been talking about midfielders. We'd never even mention N'Golo Conte, who, mm. you know, is like all in reliable. Yeah, I mean, in, in and out – you're talking about injury-wise? That's what you mean? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but he, he's a guy we can throw in there and not have to worry about any, you know, who we put next to him. He'll he'll fill in whatever holes that anyone else sitting next to him has. Um, but, yeah, a live look at the table, like I mentioned earlier, Liverpool drew Brighton. City lost at home to Palace, a la Connor Gallagher. Thanks. Shout-out to Connor Gallagher. United dismantled Spurs 
So I don't know if that's a good thing, bad thing. Helps Arsenal on a sneaky, sneaky uh, swim streak. I think they've won like six in a row, five in a row. So that's interesting. But, and I know it's we're like, what, a third into the season now? A lot can change for us and for other clubs. Can we do this, guys? Am I writing a full 16-bar verse? Am I doing... Are we doing it, Zach? Yes. We're doing it? Andreas, you're in? Are you in or out? Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. Let's I go. Need, I think you need to have the, the first four verses written by New Year's. Oh, I'll start. <laughs> I'll start. I'll, I'll get, head, head into the, the booth and start writing, man. So I'm going to have I mean, a haiku posted on the Twitter account by tomorrow morning. <laughs> Just a, a little teaser. I mean, I we have a we have basically a game in hand right now, right? And Do we? City, uh, basically, I mean, we were three points ahead. Everybody else has played as many games as us. We have the goal differential. Like, any sort of tiebreaker, we have it right now. And on top of right. that, like, City doesn't have a striker. They just don't. And come January, I don't think they're going to get a name that suddenly is going to make them five times better. They're still dangerous. Don't get me wrong. I'm not writing them off completely. But Palace figured out a way of beating them by two goals. Um, Liverpool may play anywhere between two to six games without two key attackers. Keita and Matip as well. Mm-hmm. So that, as much as people want to be like, oh, but it's Liverpool, Klopp, but dude, Mohamed Salah is like on a Ballon d'Or campaign right now. You're going to miss him. And then, yeah, we're not going to have Mendy, but Kepa has been solid. And the rest of our team is is like a perfectly oiled machine in terms of like slotting another player in here, like, We've had Alonso be good. We've had Aspi play center back, wing back. We've had, you know, Chalaba play center center of the back three, to the right of the back three. Christensen has played across the back three. We are playing without a striker right now. Hell, we have Ziyech on the field and we're still scoring three goals. So mm-hmm. right now it just feels like even with this injury bug, we're, you know, everyone knows what their role is supposed to be and what the instructions are on the pitch and, and – it just is, it's working out. We've already played Liverpool. We've already played City. Spurs fired Nuno. United may fire Ole. So, like, things aren't... Wait, did I miss to... that news? Spurs fired Nuno? Yeah. Officially? I, didn't... I think they did. I might... I, might <laughs> I don't think they did. <laughs> I don't think that happened yet. I mean, it, it might I, happen. I guess it was... Nuno on the verge of being sacked. Okay. Oh, I was like, hey, breaking news. For those listening, you can't see our Skype call, but Andres actually has a crystal ball in front of him. <laughs> the, the, my point is, like, even the pretenders are on the way down. Arsenal may sneak their way into a Europa League spot, but, like, if, if City and Liverpool are supposed to be keeping up with us, they can't, for one, they can't be doing what they did this weekend. I mean, Liverpool drawing Brighton. Props to Brighton because I think they're extremely well coached. But if you're going to win the league, like, you can't be doing that. And I think that we've proven in this match specifically 45 minutes of useless football, and we still scored three in the second 45. Like, I'm sorry, but last season or season before that, we don't we don't win this game. We yeah. think we let the other team continue to hope and and gain confidence in their defensive 
play style and we give up a goal in the 83rd. So I think that this team is still building on what happened last season under Tuchel. And we're doing it in a way where we really are beating teams up. This is, we're seeing this season, I remember specifically in the spring, Zach, Solomon, and I were always like, oh, this is the week where the floodgates open. This is the week where the floodgates open. Well, finally, they have open, and we're scoring for fun. Our fullback, our wingbacks are scoring. Hell, we're going to get a game where Jorginho actually scores an open field goal, and I'm going to go crazy. He took so, a shot. <laughs> wow. He shot the ball. Unbelievable. <laughs> So, I mean, I, I'm all in on, on the idea of Chelsea winning the league. And, and, that's, and that's not the only trophy I think will win. I, I, I can see us coming out with three, four trophies. Yeah, I mean, lofty aspirations, but... And City, hey. City, City's out of the Carabao Cup, so that's a trophy that they're finally not going to win. That, hey, we're still in it. Yeah, I mean, we barely yeah, we got, got out. Barkley. He's the king of the Carabao Cup. Thank you. I thought he was the king of the FA, FA Cup. It's the FA, FA Cup. Cup. Well, yeah. So that well, we got that in the back too. Yeah, but, yeah, he's um, back. Um, but I mean, we barely got through the last two rounds off penalties. You know, it's <laughs> and we didn't look good in either matches. And I don't think we did a recap. We missed. To be, we missed, to be, to be uh, fair, nobody yeah. looks good in the midweek Carabao matches. Everybody looks like shit and just scrapes their victories. Arsenal looks okay. Arsenal's that's like their most that's their most important matchup of the week. Arsenal's A team and B team are the same team. Yeah. <laughs> they they have two B teams. Let's just be real. Yeah. Um, it's like a one giant B team. Um All right, let's move on. We only got one extra Twitter question this week. This one is from Leonard Cohen. <clears throat> Getting my Leonard Cohen voice going. <clears throat> Dear Pod, it's a given that had Ole Gunnar Solskjaer Solskjaer, (laughs) been at Chelsea, he would have taken a ride with Peter, quote, leave the gun, take the cannoli, Clemenza, a long time ago. What's the Pod's pods assessment of Chelsea's hire and fire cycle of head coaches, notes, not managers, compared to other elite football teams? Have we got it right, bruh? (laughs) <laughs> I like the bruh. Um, what does he mean by head coaches, not managers? Because uh, we don't we don't hire managers because the yeah. head co- we hire a coach. They don't have any say. In sure, the, that makes in the sense. Transfers. Uh, I'll, I'll say this before you guys answer. It it works for us. We're winning trophies. I'm I'm not worried about Chelsea's hire and fire cycle. I mean, don't, you know, Ole Gunnar has two more matches to keep his job. So don't, you know, don't give him, you know, don't don't think that he's going to be there for sure. Because there's still a lot. They play City and uh, I forget who they play as well after that. It's another tough matchup. But um, going back to Chelsea, it works. And if we didn't sack Frank Lampard, we wouldn't have Thomas Tuchel right now. It's, mm. it's 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 a it's and every time that a new manager has come in we've won another trophy every every manager that we've brought in has won us a trophy so it's uh <laughs> really every manager yeah. that we've brought in like since you know 2010 2008 <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever even even benitez won a trophy here yeah yeah 
was fucking wild. Yeah, and then he, even Sari won as a trophy. Europa. Um, I'm, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say this. I'm right there with you, but um, I am allowed to be angry when coaches get sacked. But I always get over it as long as they keep winning trophies. And as of right now, there isn't a sacking that I've been angry at that hasn't been vindicated by trophies. So in that respect, yeah, I guess I'm right there with you. Um, I, I think the shorter answer to the question is ask me after Tuchel. Well, <laughs> well <laughs> right. I you, mean, think, you think he's, he's I mean, Tuchel. on the hot seat? <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying, I'm yes, we could say that this strategy works now, but once Tommy Tuchel's gone, which, let's be honest, every great reign comes to an end. I hope it's a long one. Um, <laughs> but every time that a reign does come to an end, there is a period of depression that we as Chelsea fans have to go through. Just like Frank. We were all really sad and depressed. But ultimately, it was for the best. Champions of Europe. Yeah, I... I think that we made it kind of like a, a thing, you know, where we cycle through managers. But if you look at it, Barcelona has been going through it and they're just not making the correct hires. Uh, yeah. You look at even Bayern, they sacked um, Niko Kovac immediately after they had brought uh, Uli Hegnes back for just one season. And before that, it was uh, Pep, who only lasted two and a half seasons. I mean, this this whole idea of a manager staying forever is long gone. Pep was even asked this week, like, how many more years that, like, can you get four more years here in City? And he was like, uh, he kind of, like, tried to avoid the question. I think it, it takes a perfect relationship almost to get five years out of a manager. And I think five years is long in today's game. So, how do I assess Chelsea's higher and fire versus other elite cl football clubs? I think we do it right. When Chelsea fires a manager, they go out and get an elite manager. We got Conte at the time. Uh, whether, however you want to see it, Sarri's, Sarri ball in Napoli was a huge success, and he did win something here, even though he wasn't very liked. He was gone immediately after. He won. Benitez was an interim manager. We hate Benitez, but as an interim manager, he won how much with uh, Liverpool. I'm pretty sure he won the Champions League with them, and he mm -hmm. came here and won a European yeah, he trophy. Did. Mourinho, even in the second stint, was already an established manager. Uh, Lampard came to save the day. He won the... Uh, well, no, he got to the FA Cup final. But I'll take the top four finish he got as a trophy, because that gave us the team that ended up winning the Champions League. So... What's the difference? We don't just hire sentimental picks or or get like, oh, well, this guy's available. And some guy kind of recommended him once. Like, no, we get guys that have a proven CV and then they come here and get another trophy to add to it. Uh, I think we got it right with Tuchel. And I think we can compare hire, like Chelsea hiring Tuchel to what Liverpool did with uh, Klopp and maybe even what City did with Pep, where it just seems to be a perfect uh, – kind of like symbiotic relationship where like both people both club and manager benefit from it yeah and thank you for correcting me on that andres i said earlier that every manager that came through won a trophy frank did not miss the one he won he won this he won the emotional trophy i mean yeah. he brought in the he won our and us top four you know no eden hazard and we got top four he got the arson wenger trophy and the fa cup that, that fa cup 
final, we should have won. Everyone knows that. I won't ever know. Oh, with the two pulled hammies. Dumb red card and two pulled hammies. Yeah, I remember. Um, No, I think think we could all agree Frank's reign here was a successful one if you're looking at it, um, you know, the whole two years. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was a success. He set us up for what we're at now. He wasn't even supposed to make it. Frank Lampard walked so that Chelsea could run. Yeah, I, I think it was a success, given given his inexperience as a manager. But that's a podcast for another day. We've already had that podcast. <laughs> yeah, Loki. Um, I mean, really quick, we are going to be playing Malmo. Um, are we all going with Fuck a? Malmo. Uh... <laughs> I hate them now. I officially, I I didn't know much about Malmo two weeks ago. Now they're one of my least favorite clubs in the world. Like honestly, I don't know who. I think they're we should dirty. just like we should just run out like like the academy just, team. Yeah, because I'm scared. <laughs> I'm really scared to play anyone important out of fear of their yeah. their well being. But uh, I think our academy Welcome. team could take them too. Who knows? Yeah, Not very good. But uh, I I I mean they haven't they haven't scored a goal yet. Right in Champions League, I'm not worried about them scoring now, but <laughs> I don't know. It's gonna be, Damn. it's gonna be, it's gonna be a big. Tell one. us how you really feel, song, about Mama. I got a lot of hate in my heart for them. <laughs> Gotta let go of their brother. It's harder to hate than it we'll is to love. We'll see. Anyways, um, well, that kind of brings us to the end of the episode. Um. For those of you that are still listening, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Romans Empire Pod. Um, we've also gotten some emails, which has been great. Romans Empire Pod at gmail.com. Um, and until next week, keep the blue flag flying high.